So Vulture, the very hyper-hip media website, they're doing official music recommendations, and they've done now the first Pokemon movie soundtrack. I'm saying, like, hey, Uh, you should all just check this out now. Brother, my brother. What else is on? I'm going to look it up. The internet was recently taken by surprise when Post Malone released his cover of Hootie and the Blowfish's Only Gonna Be With You for Pokemon's 25th anniversary and later performed a virtual concert in uncanny valley-level CGI surrounded by everyone's Pokemon favorites. I had not known about this. Well, I did because somebody posted about it at work. Yeah, you can find the Pokemon to be a master album. Wow, though. I mean, Billy Crawford, M2M, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears... This, this is NSYNC my did have a song in the official OST. I'm not surprised. This is my jam. And so did Bewitched. Listen to how many record scratches appear in, in the first, like... It's just, like, part of the background. To the end, I will be with you. There's this, like, weird ballad called Everything Changes About Evolution. It's so bizarre. Do you remember this one? The time was coming when, when, when he was going to give away Pikachu. Yes. Because he gives away all his Pokemon. Right. Pokemon dance mix. <laughs> Ooh, that one sounded kind of good. This is Jesse and James' song, of course. This doesn't have rock sound. That was on a later album. Make it double. How could you not remember that? <laughs> Pokemon World to be Masters together forever. Or the Pokemon Johto. Pokemon Johto. The Jota Champions is my favorite theme. Remember this one? Did you watch the ending for this song? No, I don't think I did. Oh my god, I watched it for so long, my dude. How old were you when you stopped watching it? Far too old. <laughs> right there, you're fine. You try. Hold on, I'm gonna find the Jota Champions theme because it's the best one. We're, we're walking down memory lane with Pokemon oh, for soundtrack. It's a whole new world it's sort of delightful that you can you just picked up the tune immediately. I remember so still gotta catch them all be the best that you can I mean is that is the bullshit real just gonna be yeah Pokemon Pokemon you know what is all came about is that Chris didn't know that the Post Malone did a oh the Pokemon yes yeah well, I wanted to took the shittiest song of all time and decided to do Somehow people Pokemon because it shows for it. It's got nothing to do with it. It's never been associated with Pokemon. It's, he's got the perfect sort of like awful mumble voice. voice for it. Don't you yearn to go back to a pre Malone time? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I hate post Malone. We are living in a post Malone society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> The podcast where three friends watch a uh, shit day movie, <laughs> have a nice little theme drink to talk about it, and then talk about how we could have done it better because we're so good at it. So good. I am your host for this week, Lee Mystic Surrender Delahanty. I am Brendan. That's a lot of tuba. Drishler. And I'm Chris, uh, Mr. Good Enough for Right Now, Ravel. You certainly and are. Mm-hmm. If you could have told from those nicknames, uh, we have just finished watching uh, 2001's Serendipity, mm. a uh, rom-com of a bygone era. True. A bygone rom-com. A bygone rom-com. Yes. Uh, starring John Cusack, Kate Beckinsale. And you also... know, it's not a long bygone rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> One might even say it's a tight 90. Uh, it's a, yeah, aside from our, our leads, we got Molly Shannon and Jeremy Piven. Yeah. Uh, you two are doing a comedic... Turn, yep. yeah, as you would. John Corbett as Yanni. As Yanni slash Kenny G. Yeah. Yanni Kenny G. Yeah, Yanni G. Yanni G. Uh, some other woman. Um, uh, <laughs> Natasha from Sex and the City is yeah. uh, she's John Cusack's uh, hapless fiance. <laughs> That's really all there is to say. That's about pretty that much cast. it. Uh, her name is, the actress's name yeah. is Bridget Moynihan. Bridget but Moynihan. I always get her mixed up with Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, why shouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Bridget Moynihan is kind of the discount version. Yeah, it's true. Uh, directed by somebody I couldn't tell you a thing about. Oh my god, do you want to know? So I looked him up because I remember really how we were that. saying like, what did this guy do? Do you know one of the movies that he did? What Mars Baby Needs Women. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, which 
Is that a the joke? space between us? Oh, oh my god! Remember about how Gary yeah. Oldman has a baby on Mars, but yes. the Mars baby is horny, and, and so then, he wants like, to go to but Earth. His heart? But his heart will explode if he stays on Earth or something. Yeah, yeah. He directed Mars Baby Needs Women. Wasn't that also with, um, with that poor actress who is in Tomorrowland who just cannot pick a, a good project for uh, herself? I feel bad for her. Was she in that? I honestly don't know. She was also in that really silly looking Rick Robertson. Rick Robertson, yes. Because yep. yep. she was also in Girl Boss, that like super failed Netflix te- television show. I did not watch it. Good it was awful. But right. yeah. So he did do crap. <laughs> he does not done a lot. He has a pedigree. Of he has not, but he's done a lot of things that we don't care about. Yes. And often including this movie? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we'll see that. So, to sit through this movie, we had to have a drink to get along with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we chose an appropriately themed and flavored drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brennan, like, t- tell us about it. Yes, the drink that we made is called a Purple Tie. It's a one ounce of vodka, one ounce gin, 0.75 ounces of blue curacao, 0.75 ounces of lime juice, 0.75 ounces of lemon juice, two ounces of Seltzy, 1.5 ounce of grenadine, and some luster dust. So you mix the vodka, gin, blue curacao, lime juice, and lemon juice in a shaker with ice. Strain into a glass with ice, add the grenadine, soda water, or seltzer, and luster dust, and then you stir it gently, because you want them bubbles, you want them bubbly bubbles to be there. And you want the sparkle sparkle. And you want that sparkle sparkle. And then it's mixed, it'll look lovely and purple, like a certain suit that John Cusa has to buy to get Eugene Levy's numbers on. Oh my it's god. Funny. It was, it was high comedy. It's a joke! I'm just realizing now... Could we also maybe say the luster dust is like the many stars that make up Cassiopeia? No, yeah, it was meant to be for uh, the, <laughs> the necessarily ostentatious yeah, uh, serendipity threes rest, uh, desserts. Yeah. Really, which did seem to be like, what if you got made a frozen hot chocolate in a fishbowl? It was basically just like, how could you charge twenty five dollars for, for something that yeah. costs like five dollars <laughs> in a normal restaurant? Well, um, what you didn't know is each of those straws cost ten bucks. That is true. <laughs> yeah, sidebar apropos of nothing. Quick call to suck. Yeah. Is that somebody posted? Uh, somebody I don't care about on Facebook posted. Uh-huh. Um, Hot cross buns as a sort of joke, but they're from Tante. And he was like, ironically, they cost due to inflation, they cost way more than the one penny, two penny. Like that's because you got a Tante, you fucking <laughs> unnecessary purchase. Did I saw a tweet about hot cross buns today too? What is this serendipitous coincidence? Are they an Easter thing? Hot cross buns, yeah. are they? I don't know I if they are or not. I was thinking so, someone had said it was something like, imagine writing such a banger that like hundreds of years later there's still only one song about hot cross buns. <laughs> but, mostly, but mostly on the recorder. Why are there more songs about hot cross buns, guys? Because someone did it. Knocked uh, it out of the park on their first yeah. try. Got it one. So the purple right. tie. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was It was all right. It, it was It fine. was strange, it tasted, right? Uh, my review was that it tasted like I just went out and bought Welch's grape juice. It yeah, did. It tasted a lot like juice. Like, not in a bad way, but it yeah. tasted like juice. It doesn't taste like alcohol. Not at all. It didn't make me drunk. It no. didn't yeah. any bite. It was yeah. honestly just sweet and fruity. I almost, like... I felt like I kept thinking grape, but I don't think it really tasted like grape. I think it was, I mean, like, it I think it was tasting fruit, and I was seeing purple. See, because I was getting, I did a different, you guys were the same batch, and then I mixed up a third one for me. Mm-hmm. Mine was definitely, I think, heavier on the blue curacao, because I tasted mostly orange with my drink. Oh, I didn't really yeah. taste much. Okay. No, I, I got yeah, super I, heavy orange. I think it was the grenadine. Maybe, maybe, uh, grenadine, grenadine plus blue curacao equals fake grape. Yeah. <laughs> it tasted like fake grape. But the point is, it wasn't like syrupy, gross sweet. It was just no, like it was just fruit sweet. juice sweet. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly think that maybe the only thing I would do to change it up would be to try to find some way to let more of the gin burn through yeah. a little. Because I think otherwise it does sort of feel like it's fine, but it does sort of feel like you got an adult juice box. Yeah. I would do yeah. more gin. I might do more seltzer too, just because I think that would cut down the, like the sweetness of it mm-hmm. a little bit. Like again, it wasn't overly sweet. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of like yeah. one note sweet. I do feel like it. it uh, I had a thought about it. I think maybe I was just going to repeat my thought about it being like a suburban mom drink. But I think, yeah, my thought was that I get skeptical the second you tell me to mix put vodka into the same drink. Like, what? Like, mm. pick one. Be, do something yeah. with your life. Yeah, I'm not really sure why both were needed, to be honest yeah. with you. Mm. I think you can do a gin. Because vodka cocktail. doesn't taste like anything. Right, and I couldn't taste the gin. No. Nor could, well, no. You know, I couldn't taste any alcohol. I think the gin was just covered up by the curacao and the grenadine. Yeah, so I feel like we could have done just like straight up vodka, and maybe at least then it would have some sharpness to it or something. Yeah, because yeah, uh, as soon as you're mixing two very distinct choices. Very potent Yeah, flavors. it's like, and but then also blue carousel like a liqueur, I, you're instantly in sort of like you're over college, college student making drink for first time. Yeah, yeah. and I mean or you're gen- getting a hurricane at like a yeah. Red Robin. Yeah, and you're sort of like 
trampling over the subtle tastes of gin and yeah. just making it like, like so again like why was the gin so like it yeah, wasn't what? a bad drink no it wasn't it. I just it feel like good, it's a very like first draft drink you know yes. like, I think if we like two or three times later would probably have a means of making it that would taste a little bit better yeah I, do, I feel like that's properly emblematic of this movie you yeah. probably use it a couple I'd drafts away <laughs> well, that said, um, before we get into mm-hmm. our discussion of discussion, our discussion of it, uh, somebody needs to read the long Wikipedia summary. Of it. Well, I won't. And uh, yeah, well, and I will. Harumph. Uh During the Christmas season in New York City, Jonathan Traeger encounters Sarah Thomas at Bloomingdale's while they attempt to buy the same pair of black cashmere gloves. While they are both in relationships, okay, I guess that answers that. I mean, they said they were. I knew they, they were. Say, yeah. yeah. Mutual, I didn't notice the first time that they definitely were. A mutual attraction leads to sharing dessert at Serendipity Three. She re- uh, Sarah- I'm sorry, Chris. What was that restaurant again? Serendipity Three. Serendipity Three. I know. Title could I go there? Yeah, you could. It's wow. Sarah reveals her opinion that fate determines many of her decisions in life. They encounter each other again when they both have to return to the restaurant to retrieve things they had left behind. Considering this to be fate, they spend more time together, and just after they exchange phone numbers. Sarah's gets blown into the wind. She interprets this as a bad omen, so instead suggests alternative ways to put their numbers out into the universe. She suggests that one put their name and phone number on a $5 bill and the other on the front end paper of a book that will be sold the next day. If each finds the other's item, they are meant to be together and can make contact. The book that Sarah writes her number in is Gabriel Gabriel Garcia Marquez's Love in the Time of Cholera. This is significant sim- symbolism because in the book, <laughs> the two protagonists met while very young and their love was forbidden until they were reunited in old age. That is a reach. Yeah. A few years later, Jonathan is in New York City getting engaged to Haley Buchanan. On the same day, Sarah is in San Francisco and comes home to find her boyfriend, Lars Hammond, proposing to her. Cold feet ensue as their respective wedding dates approach. They start to they start their attempt to reconnect. Sarah flies to New York City and her friend Eve persuades her to give up the chase. They go to serendipity. The $5 bill given to Eve in the change has Jonathan's contact information. Jonathan gets a gift from Haley on the night of the wedding rehearsal, which is the same book that Sarah's phone number has been written in. He has, he and his friend Dean fly to San Francisco to find her. Jonathan sees a woman at Sarah's house who he thinks is Sarah, but is Sarah's sister, Caroline, fooling around with her boyfriend. I'm running out of breath. Jonathan believes that his chasing ghost means that he does not want to marry Haley. On board a plane to return to San Francisco, Sarah is buying a headset and finds she has Eve's wallet with the $5 bill from Jonathan. She disembarks and makes her way to his apartment. His neighbors tell her about his wedding at the Waldorf Astoria, where she discovers that his wedding has been called off. Jonathan wanders Central Park and comes upon a bench at the ice rink that has a jacket Sarah left behind earlier. He uses the jacket for a pillow while lying in the middle of the (laughs) rink. He has with him one black cashmere glove. He gazes up at the falling snow and a black cashmere glove falls on his chest. He sees it as Sarah. The glove is hers. They introduce themselves to each other formally for the first time. In the final scene, Sarah and Jonathan are at Bloomingdale's enjoying champagne on their anniversary at the same spot where they first met. That really, like, yeah. cut out all yeah. that. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> I, got, I got vertigo because the... <laughs> How quickly you went from, like, act yeah. one to act three. The summary skipped, like, 45 minutes of, like, searching... A middle period. ...following clues. John Cusack and Jeremy Bivin, like... Right. And immediately, and, like, like, it's boring to say it's a lot of detective work, yeah. but, like, it is. But, it's like, a lot of detective work. What a better transition to talk about the story then uh, to start by saying well, that can like we, can we say real quick also can you say who plays the characters of course quick? Um, Jonathan is John. Uh, John Cusack Sarah is Kate Beckinsale Jeremy Piven plays Dean John and Sarah Jeremy Piven John and Sarah Jeremy Piven is Dean Molly Shannon is Eve John Corbett is Lars okay that's that's kind of it that's all I just wanted to throw them out there so we have it there did you know that they're both missing a letter H in their name it's serendipity so, the, yeah. Oh my he's God. John without an H. You're right, and she's Sarah, Sarah without an H. John without an H, H was, was shopping for some gloves. And Sarah without an H was shopping for them, too. That's really... That's some what, asshole came in between and grabbed the gloves. And then they, they made a transformer trip. <laughs> Yay! Da, 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 Good night, everyone. John and Sarah. John and Sarah. 
I like I refuse to pay attention to the lyrics in that song because I like this cute song. Because the lyric, if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's actually about like a couple of the verge of breaking up. Well, right, because like she, he, the guy just like doesn't get it. Like yeah, the, like, the, guy, yeah, the woman's just, like having these various issues, and yeah. the guy's just kind of like an idiot who's oblivious. Right, yeah. and he just seems to think it's like quirky and fun, right? But she's like legitimately seeming to have like a serious mental issue. Yeah, yeah, but it's but I just I it's, it's such a fun beat about Zach and Sarah. About Zach and Sarah. The dynamic duo Zach and Sarah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think yeah, great. So, I'm also sorry, just real quick, whenever we were going through, you, you had said the thing about how, um, John Corbett, uh, Bill Corbett, right? John Corbett. John Corbett. John Corbett, Corbett is the actor. Yeah, that's right. But, um, how he proposes to her, um, at the same time, I was just thinking about how we were talking about how the scene, how it plays out in the movie, if she comes home, there are rose petals strewn about the floor. And so, so many. There's an enormous fucking box <laughs> on the table, and there are smaller boxes, like a nesting doll inside yeah. each one, until she finally gets, like, the little one, which has the ring. And Lee had said when we were watching <laughs> <laughs> it, the box is empty. She opens up its empty box and she's like, oh, where, where the ring at? And then... He's like, you have to say yes. Yes. And then he walks in holding the ring up to her. And yeah. she was saying how like he walked out naked with, with the ring on his dick. <laughs> Fully erect. And I was just thinking that also... Come get it, baby. That like, she goes to get it and the ring is like this big around so she like puts it in her and it like falls off her finger and she's like, this was all for the joke? Like you had this comically oversized ring for the joke, like, he's like, "Yep, but like, one agrees." Well, it's like, like, like he, enough that it's a cock ring, right? Like, like he went to the jewelers, just put his dick on the counter. He's like, <laughs> like, can yeah. you get this fitted? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been. I feel like I don't usually make these kinds of jokes. <laughs> Look, sometimes I, the situation calls I for it. What can you what, say? I think that's what almost makes it more delightful. Like, I would not have expected that coming from you. Say, I've been doing that. I've been, like, every now and then in uh, Jackbox, I start doing that. I, like, I just... The, my first thought is randomly just, like, the, the most disgusting joke you've ever thought of. And I, and I feel so guilty about it. <laughs> doing <laughs> Um, anyway. Anyway, I'm sorry, the story, you try to talk about the yeah, story. Yeah, so I'm gonna, my main point about the story is now that, as the Wikipedia summary eliminated about 45 minutes of this, because it's like, it, it's sort of like, you can kind of compare it to Sleeps in Seattle, except one of them is a good movie, but, <laughs> but like, it's a rom-com where the characters have one scene together in the beginning, or like, yeah. I guess it's a couple, you can call it a sequence, but it's like, yeah, like it, 10 minutes of stuff. Yeah. And then... Uh, the rest of the movie is mostly John Cusack and then some Kate Beckinsale, like, hunting down the other mm -hmm. and, and following these, like, you know, paper trail clues that take forever. Well, and there's also a lot of ships passing in the night style stuff where, like, she's on one floor of that, like, Hudson Yard, whatever the fuck that was, that, like, golfing range yeah. in yeah. New York. Like, that. she's on one floor and he's on, like, the one below. Yeah. Or, um, what? She leaves serendipity right as they get there. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, and it, it's, uh, interesting. It's tough to have this movie about, like, oh, these people are fated to be, uh, well, they, we don't know anything about them right. at all. We don't know how they, like, work together, frankly. Oh, wow. All we got is their meet-cute. And can I say, I don't think it was a meet-cute. I think it was more mediocre. <laughs> Ooh! There, I said it. Good work. Um, yeah, that was, that was really spicy and hot. It was, yeah. um, but to, it was a lazy meat. But, like, to <laughs> criticize, to talk about the story, you kind of have to, like, to tear it apart or to, like, uh... <laughs> must first build it back. <laughs> yeah, but it's like talking about a mystery, because it's yeah. like... So if I look at the story, like, yeah, the clues fit, but, like, right. it makes sense. Like, the, they came up with, like, a solid, uh, like, hunt. A leads to B, leads yeah, to C, leads to B, yeah, but, yeah. but, like... But then what do you get? It's right. not much of a romance. Right, and I mean, like, and also, like, you get why the Wikipedia synopsis cut that part out, because you yeah. don't need to say, like, he went here, and then he found yeah. this out, then the, he went there and found this out. You summarize it by saying, like, he done a bunch of shit to find out who it was, and right. then, uh, then the end. too late, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is mostly just sort of wacky <laughs> scenes of, like, you know, that's where you get a lot of your Eugene, um, Eugene Levy, scenes, Eugene Levy yeah. scenes of him goofing around. And yeah. And I actually think uh, the Eugene Levy scenes are a lot of fun, too. I mean, I think especially I mean, when he gets into the warehouse with them. He elevates. And he's a scenes. part of this, yeah. like, kind of three amigos goofiness that's yeah, happening in there. Yeah, better than the movie deserves. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I think he elevates, like, Jeremy Piven and John Cusack in their scenes. When, yeah, the yeah. part where ever. On Jerry Piven's phone ring, he like looks <laughs> he at it and puts it down. Eugene Levy picks it up and answers it. Just like, oh, who, so who should I say is calling? Yeah. Well, the first thing is he asks, like, who is like, because somebody's asking for like Dean. Right, right, right. And he's like, who? He's like, no, it's not your phone. Uh, but yeah, um, it's not much of a story. It's it, mm. it fits together, but like, uh, 
I think the more important salient talking point here is the fact that both in the past of when they first meet and mm-hmm. when they are hunting each other back down again in the present, uh, they're in committed relationships. Yeah. Well, they're and both engaged. Yeah, well, in the second no, in the present, in, in the yeah. second one, they're in. But I'm saying when they first meet from the get-go, they're yeah. already in relationships with other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not with the people who they end up with later on, presumably, right. but nonetheless. Yeah. But then when we pick back up a few years later, I just love that there was even... A big shrug from the screen. Yeah, but, like, then why were you putting that in the shot? Well, I remember you found some trivia point about how it was supposed to be 15 or 5. 15 would be nuts, though. And then they couldn't... Some reason they were like, we we can't say 5. And so they just had to say a few. Some years, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It just seemed funny to just see that come up a few years later, dot, dot, dot. Like, okay... <laughs> no, I um, made that up in my brain. What? It's probably before I, I was thinking about the movie came out. I was like, was it a 9 11 thing? <laughs> well, like, what would it have been? No. I mean, though, you do know that they had to digitally remove shots of the Twin Towers from this movie. From this movie? Did they yeah. really? Because this came out not long after 9 11. Yeah. I guess that it makes sense. Yep, it would. Um, but yeah, it's hard to it's hard to feel like invested, I guess, or mm-hmm. what the word is. like, or, or I guess hard to like empathize with these characters um, when. They are like, especially like Haley, who you see is like just a normal, just a normal, a normal person. Yeah, just a normal, sane woman. Like Lars is like whatever. He's kind of silly, right? Yeah. Um, but he's, he's doing this whole what did we settle on? Yanni G. Yanni G. Business but, I mean, with his oboe. The behaviors of these people are like not that different to just straight up cheating people that are straight up right. Yeah. Well, and I mean again, to be fair, and they do it from the beginning too, yeah. which is what really like it's that's such a like a big ask for me as a viewer to get behind characters who are like in relationships with other people and then are immediately like, but like we're basically on a date now, right? Like we're basically yeah. spending the entire evening together, we're getting frozen hot chocolate, we're going ice skating, like you're you're kind of having well, an affair at this point. Well, I would say, at the very least, they're having an emotional affair. Yeah, I mean, because like, they are also re- they are also committing a lot of time and energy to finding each other and trying to hunt down each other's contact information. Which I just kept thinking, if I was fiance Haley or John Corbett, I would have felt like unbelievably like furious. Like you're really spending, you're like you've taken on this quest to go chase someone else, and we are getting married in literally a week. Yeah. Like, that's insane! I I also think part of the issue is, right, that because the plot is so just kind of like a lot of running around detective worky stuff, I kind of feel like you needed this to be more character-driven, and therefore you needed these characters to be more full and, like, people we could get to know, because without that, like, we don't have a lot to go on. Like, they just have a lot of scenes of trying to find each other, but I'm not really sure what their value is to one another when I don't really know these people. Yeah, well, it's also, like, again, it's that whole ten minutes of time together before they're so, like, obsessed with finding each other again. It's like, I dare... That ten minutes is not enough to, like, understand why you feel that that person is better than the person that you've spent, like, years with? Right, right. Presumably. Um, So it, it, it is... Oh, well, obviously, like, things are heightened in romantic comedies, but I feel like this is, like, a stretch too far in the credibility. It is. I mean, it is one of those things where, like, if you were dating John Cusack or um, yeah. Kate Beckincake, and, <laughs> and, like, you were, like, this close to getting married, and she was like, actually, I've got to abandon this for a shot of finding a guy who I had one night with five years ago. Like, mm-hmm. that's lunacy. Right? You would yeah. not want to be with this person. That means that you have commitment issues. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, that's what it's going to, I mean, that's what's manifesting itself as, right? Grabbing at a straw. It just, yeah, it just seems like you have cold feet because you're getting married soon, yeah. so, like, you're panicking, and as you're panicking, you find this glove that reminds you of this person you met one night, and you're like, I gotta risk it all to maybe find this one person. I, I also just think it's it's weird that like, any of the people that are aware of this situation, so like, neither Molly Shannon nor Jeremy Piven ever really say to them, hey, maybe don't. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Molly Shannon does, doesn't she? Molly Shannon does. Jeremy Piven. Molly uh, Shannon is just angry about being lied to. But Molly Shannon, no, she does when, have when they're at Serendipity yeah. and they're having dinner, oh, Molly right. Shannon's the one who's like, maybe it's okay to give up on this sort of thing. Yeah, right? Jeremy Piven's the one who's like, nah, keep you it gotta up, keep, keep it on. Up. Yeah, because Jeremy Piven's also, his life is also crashing around him. Yes, as we find out, him. yes. Yeah. But it does feel as if we're watching a lot of this stuff kind of just unfold in a very emotionally distant way from us, just because we get to neither know the characters nor their re- their investment in one another. We don't really get to know their relationships that they're leaving, so there's it never feels motivated because we don't understand what they're not well, getting in the of, one relationship. We, we, at least with, like, Kate Beckinsale, you do understand that Lars is 
kind of like, a goof. She, I mean, for some weird reason, she seems to be into him. But he, but like we look at him and are like, yeah, I would dump that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I guess he's rich and that's nice. But like, what a goofball. Yeah, like what a dim- like, he's, he's kind sort of, of like self serious. Like yeah, and he's kind of vaguely pretentious. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. you could see the flaws there. But like Haley just seemed like a nice woman. She's just a woman. Yeah, like there's no she has no defining characteristics. Of yeah, women. I actually thought there was like so few scenes of her and John Cusack together in a way where I could felt like I could see what their relationship was. But I feel like they gave me one moment where I saw what their relationship was, and it was when she gives him that book. And she was like, oh, it's because I noticed that you were, like, looking at it in the store. And he was like, oh, I got you a gift. I just forgot to bring it. And she's like, oh, I know. And I just thought, like, has this is this what their relationship is? She's been a thoughtful person to him, and he's just, like, forgetting. See, I took that as just to be, like, she, like... She, she, she's already said at that point that she knows that something's going on. Yeah, I, and so when he says, like, I forgot to rant, she's just sort of like, yeah, of course. Yeah, because oh, you've okay. been fucking acting weird. Yeah, the thing that I, the thing that gave me weirdly uh, uh, some sort of a glimpse into what maybe their life is like together is after that, I, I guess it's the rehearsal dinner. Is that what we opened on after the time jump where Jeremy Piven's giving yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's not the rehearsal It's like an engagement dinner. Just like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be a rehearsal dinner. But, like, just, yeah, just some sort of celebratory dinner for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as they are leaving, she says to him something like we're going to go back home and pretend that we just had an argument and like use it as a way to, to be like and we're gonna have like post makeup sex so it's that's what like, I thought she was saying too right so I think that's what she's saying but it's just like is this what their relationship is their relationship like them fighting all the time then they have really great sex afterwards so they're like well you know what but we then, get the great sex out of it or maybe it's that, that they don't have any passion and so they have to make it up yeah there you go ooh see I would believe that more just because if you were to tell me these two people fight all the time I'm like they do yeah they I know they don't interact at all. Yeah. So, like, how can you tell? And when they do, they both just seem kind of like I don't know, cozy. Like yeah. they seem yeah. fine, like comfortable with the job. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a tough sell this movie. But there are two points I want to make that I think uh, are worth making. Is that I think you can make a movie mm-hmm. uh, about this idea of chasing the misconnection. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very valid thing, and it can still feel. You can still make you feel those romantic, nice, happy vibes. Uh, so that you can do that. Uh, and I guess that was I guess that was my only point. <laughs> Mostly my point was I think my points are basically that like there are points. The foundation of this movie is it's like good. something. No, I, have done I, something. I agree with you. I think I mean especially like you know this is obviously like so ten years ago, but like in the age of Craigslist, yeah. where there was an entire like section of like I saw you on a bus and I thought you were really attractive. Like, do you yeah. remember me? Let's get together sometime. Like, I think the idea of like. Meeting a person, hitting it off with them, not knowing who they are, and then sort of being like, oh, fuck, I should have given that person my number, I should have said something to them. Right. And then, like... I th- yeah, I think... So, like, the idea of, like, having one night with someone that you really clicked with, but it couldn't happen for whatever reason. Yeah. The idea that both of you, like, a few, quote-unquote, years later are still thinking about it is also, is already, like, you're already... That's pretty, like, a nice, epic, romantic thing. Yeah. But, like, you have both kept that for, like, those years. But it really is marred by being in relationships. Yeah, yeah. part of me wonders, like, do you think this would... I, I, I don't know. I don't think that's the, it's really the big solution, but, like, part of me was thinking, like, what if you didn't have the time jump? What if it was just, like, it opens the next morning, and John Cusack is like, I gotta fucking find this girl, like, right away. And I realize you need to have a ticking clock yeah. in there of some sort. Well, so, the t- there's, so the time jump is unrelated to the ticking clock, really, because, it like, is. It's, it's two different nights. It's also so weird, though, that he apparently, like, again, this is presumably not the woman he was with when he met her. And so it's just weird I, that, like... I thought maybe it was. They don't ever say. I get, no, I guess that's... It's vice versa from Mars, right? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. My God, this it could have been the same people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh fuck, this it, just keeps getting gross. I guess it's. I guess it's just weird that the movie wouldn't have specified. Yeah, there's a lot of details that I was kind of shocked the movie doesn't fill in, and I guess that's why um, off mic when we were watching this, I was just expressing some kind of like I wish I just knew more about these people's lives because I feel like even though we just spent ninety minutes watching them do things. I don't know that much about either of them. Yeah, I mean, having, again, just watched Sleepless in Seattle earlier today to sort of compare the two, that is, like, something that Sleepless in Seattle does very well, where you get a sense of, like, who these two people are apart from each other, which you need to do, because if they're not interacting, you have to know who they are. You have to know that when they do get together, they're going to be great for each other, because you realize, like, oh, they both like X, they both think this, like, this would complement this person's other thing. In this movie, it's just like, I don't know, they had a good night together, maybe that'll translate to a relationship, maybe it won't. And I think that that carries through to almost a kind of way that I think sort of, or maybe aimlessness is the wrong word, but I just feel like so much of this movie meanders in a way that's kind of hard to engage with. 
Um, I feel like it was maybe meant to be whimsical and kind of vignette you know, like, we're just having all these moments, and some of them are callbacks to earlier ones or whatever, but it just doesn't ever feel like it adds up to anything. It just feels like a lot of noise happening, but I'm not getting a lot out of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. frustrating, because I feel like this setup is great, and if you had... Like, if you had really cool, like, two really cool characters that you could follow on their own separate paths, I feel like the movie is instantly better. If you fill in your leads, actually give us people to get to know, I feel like this movie's problems mostly go away. Yeah. The more the more that I think about it, like, just the fact that this does happen for both of them, like, shortly before they're getting married, it really does become, like, a commitment issue thing. Yes. And the movie doesn't want it to be. That's a movie... That's a different movie. Yeah. It's not a bad movie, but... No, exactly. But, like, that's not the serendipitous, like, yeah. meeting and now we have to find each other sort of thing. It really does feel like you didn't really think about this person for the past several years and then all of a sudden a week before you're going to get married you find the glove or you keep thinking about yeah. their name like that just says to me that like well she sees a cool hand loop right she sees a cool hand loop poster in Chinatown or yeah. something you've masturbating again Chris there <laughs> yeah. stop masturbating I can't stop. recording um, is that what you think happens a lot in cool, cool hand Lucas yeah. his hand's so cool <laughs> okay. alright uh, anyway um, well, on that note, though, it feels like it might, we might as well start talking about these About characters. masturbation. <laughs> about masturbation, yeah. Um, okay, who should we start with? Uh, start with, I mean... John Cusack? Or, we'll start John. with John. He's um, a TV producer. I know this about he him. He is, and thank God he gave us <laughs> his failed dream of being a documentarian. Yeah, which is thrown out there, and then... Is, and then never doesn't matter. Why? <laughs> yes. I guess, like, his dad really didn't, was not a fan. And, like, I get that, too, but, like, so that's, that's the thing. We talked about earlier how they were having this dinner. Jeremy Piven is giving a best man speech where he says like and then he met whatever the fuck Haley. her name was yeah Haley and he gave up his dream of being a documentary and his dad's like thank god and everyone laughs about it because it's funny but like that means like now that you say that it's like I have to care about this right, right. like if you say this I'm thinking to myself why does this matter he gave up his dream like in accordance with meeting Haley was Haley the one who was like hey you better find a study job or I'm not going to stick around so like give up this documentary thing be <laughs> for, for, for the very steady very consistent life of a producer for ESPN <laughs> <laughs> yeah cake, it's... Cake, I think cake wouldn't have made you give up your documentary <laughs> she certainly she would certainly have encouraged would it yeah. but, but like it's such a strange moment to, to, to like include Include in the movie yeah. because it, it does become a question of like what does this mean and why are you saying it why I are you also, saying it so early I, on I feel like a off. lot of what I know about John aka John Cusack is oh, I get it. that he's John Cusack like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he acts like a John Cusack character right. he sort of has like funny flip out moments where he like raises his voice and he god it must be one of those things where like on paper this character must be like a real fucking Nothing. enigma if right that's a cipher without John Cusack they're like who is this man yeah I was I did wonder at times like was some of the like kind of rapid fire patter that he would engage in was that was that from him or the script I don't know but I, I did just feel like if John Cusack didn't imbue it with his John Cusackiness I don't think there would be anything to yeah. this character so you get the he, okay so like, let's try to let's try to quantify some things about it so right. he's, he's I guess like impatient he's kind of mm-hmm. practical at least he starts off sort of very pragmatic he doesn't believe in serendipity he does not believe in serendipity but then he's, he comes to yes. believe in it in through this experience yes, yes. Uh, he somehow knows a lot about stars and Cassiopeia. Yeah. He likes Cassiopeia. I don't a lot. know why he does. That's he, not explained. Because he, he works no. for ESPN. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where, like, I, I get it. Like, we contain multitudes, right? Like, there are things that you like that have nothing to yeah. do with your career. And, like, that's fine. He's, but, like, you don't get anything else from him. So that's why it feels all the weirder. I was going to say, I think it's because we get a lot of these facts in what is otherwise sort of a character vacuum that it's so hard to know right, what they that, mean. Right. Yeah. When you see that, you think, like, oh, he works in a museum or something. Yeah. Right. Oh, he's, no. like a, he's like a folklore expert. Because <laughs> well, when, you, when you come down to it, a movie can be extremely realistic, but there's just certain things that are just going to, like, we're not, we're going to view this character and everything they do and say is indicative as, as of something of that. Yeah, as important. Yeah. And we realize... You've given me 90 minutes of this. Everything that you say about this character is going to have to feel important to me. Right, right, like, exactly. If it's 90 minutes of his life, why why is it's casting it's the just, it's, it's, Exactly. It's just, yeah, it's bananas the things they choose as character yeah. details, and but it like, just feels thoughtless. But, like, if you, okay, let me back to the, the basics. He's, yeah, yeah. he's definitely pragmatic at yeah. the start. He is uh, <laughs> the more aggressively flirtatious one. So yes. There's something we can say about him. Yeah, definitely. He, I, I, yeah, it's one of those other uncomfortable things. He's supposed to be charming. Sure, you could say that. I was going to say it's one of the other uncomfortable things about, despite the fact that they both have significant others, He's he seems pushy. way yes. more into her yeah. than she seems into him. And I yeah. realized that, like, she, she, you know, eventually sort of, like, 
falls for his charm or whatever. But like for the first couple of like the, like their entire discussion, it really feels like he's the one being like, oh come on, give me your number, give me your name. Like yeah. do you, you want to go meet up sometime? And she's just like, nah, not really. And she and he's does like, seem oh yeah, to let's do it. Being trying to like politely smile him off. I mean, she mm-hmm. seems entertained, but you're right, especially in that first sequence, she's much more reserved. And it's shocking when you find out that he has a girlfriend because you're just like, then what are you doing? Yeah, here, no, why are you so aggressively horny for this woman? Okay. It almost feels like her 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 thing about being like. Why don't you write your number down on a five dollar bill? And if I find it, I'll definitely call you. It feels like something you would do to like blow off someone yeah, who you yeah. never want to talk to again. Like if the universe decrees it, then we'll definitely talk. But not Sarah. She believes in this stuff. Yeah. So in summary, John is impatient, a little goofy, uh, and is uh, maybe charming. Yeah, quote. he's a good yeah. friend, I guess. He's someone of a good friend. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Sarah is soft-spoken. Yeah. She's not... She seems to be very, like... Not... I don't want to use the word submissive, but she seems to be very complacent. Demure? Yeah. Demure? Passive, I guess. She's, she's like, whenever, like, Lars is like, sorry, I've got to be here long, she's like, okay. And yeah, just, whatever. like, leaves and goes home on her yeah. own. And, like, she doesn't seem very, like, assertive no. <laughs> in her in, own life. In kind of no sphere. She's not even really that assertive with Molly Shannon. Which I feel no. like is weirder, too, because I feel like... The Sarah that you meet in the beginning during the first couple of minutes feels like a more sort of like I don't want to say aggressive character, but like someone who knows what she wants. Confident. Yeah. yeah. And then when you That's see her watching. with John Corbett, it's kind of just she's kind of just like, no, whatever. Like what, Yeah, she feels like she's just like a like a fan that married him, you know what I mean? Like, right. like she sort of like is d- defers to him a lot. Yeah, it's like one of those like times where like when people get into a relationship and you see like one of them just becomes like the one who defers to their partner for yeah. everything and like loses all sense of self. Like yeah. it feels like that's what happened to her. He's always like, oh yeah, like, well, you know, you will go wherever because of your tour demands that you go here, and like, later on they're in the, the friggin' like, carriage ride or whatever, and yeah. he's like taking a phone call, and she's just like, yeah, well, he's gotta take his phone calls and yeah. the band. And it doesn't, and, it, and I, and I, and again, it's easier for you to feel okay that she's gonna dump this guy eventually, because <laughs> right. she seems to be the one in this relationship that is constantly on the back foot. Yeah. Right. Um, but... It still feels it still feels weird. It feels very weird. I yeah. also think it doesn't really match with the woman that we see in the beginning. No, and again, I feel like that could also be something that you know, if you're going to, if you're implying that, like that could be something you say about her relationship, where it's it, you know she realizes that oh, actually, like five years ago, I was this completely different person. Right, like, look yeah. at all the crazy things I did. Look at how I believed in things. Look at how I asserted myself. And now I'm just sort of like this guy, this woman who's like just standing in the background right next to him. Meanwhile, I'm making this movie better as you speak, but like, uh, John Cusack, the charming dreamer, mm-hmm. uh, had to become a TV producer. <laughs> right. And yes. around Haley, it's just more boring and grounded. Yeah. And yeah. so he's, they, they were not their true selves. May not, I just I, fixed half of it for maybe. you. Maybe. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say, though, is I feel like similar to the very few details we get about John Cusack's personal life that are very confusing, um, similar to that, the fact that she is training to become a therapist is very confusing. So, okay, I honestly think that that's in there so that you're not like, but she's not a complete hippy-dippy new age nonsense yeah, she's gal. she's smart. She's smart and pragmatic. I would say that outside of her belief in serendipity, there's nothing new age yet. Well, because she, but look at her fiance, look at her best friend. But her best friend, friend out loud doesn't believe in this shit. Yeah, her best friend is just like pretending to for her job. That's fair, but I'm saying like look at the company you keep a little bit, yeah, you know? Like so But I she think her Molly Shannon also says in the present day timeline no, that's true. that she used to be more into that shit than she was. Yeah. So it, it's easy to believe how in the the back the flashback, the back flash? The back flash. Uh, <laughs> the back flash. Uh, she was maybe working <laughs> to that like new age shit and then it's neuter it's it's watered down over the years yeah. she's more pragmatic. Um there, there are some good side characters in this movie. Um, it's so funny that we were recently mm-hmm. talking about characters we wish, you know, supporting characters we wish yeah. got more focus. Molly, Molly Shannon, Shannon is yeah. top of the list for me in that. Whenever she is on screen, I'm having a 100% more fun. She's delivering a lot more jokes. Yeah, I kind of thought she would matter more, Same. you know? Like, I thought that she was going to somehow be the means that brought them together Same. in some way. Like, I was telling, like I was saying when we watched this movie, so the, the ridiculous 
coincidence, the serendipitous coincidence happens is that she was the RA to John Cusack's fiance. Mm -hmm. So like when they run into each other in the hotel, her John Cusack's fiance is like, oh, come watch our wedding rehearsal. And she's like, great. Yeah, I'm going to go do that. Like Kate Beckincake, you go back up to the hotel room and talk to your boyfriend or whatever. So she's down there. After that, she meets, you know, she's introduced to John Cusack. She must not get his name. Or if she doesn't get his name, she never mentions it in passing to Kate Beckincake. Because like, you, you think that the thing that would happen is that Molly right. Shone would be like, and I met her fiance, John. And Kate Beckincake would be like, oh, John, what an interesting coincidence. Like, mm. tell me about this John. Like, what did he look like? And then like, you, then maybe she finds out like, oh, this is John. Like, he's getting married. Should I do something? Should I like go up and see him? Should I let him get married because he's apparently making his own decision? Like, you think like, oh, maybe that's going to be a conflict. It's not really. Again, you just think that in some fashion, Molly Shannon is going to like contribute to them getting together, and she kind of just pieces out towards yeah. the movie. In reality, I think that that is there. It's just like another throwaway coincidence. I do thing. too, but it just feels like it should like no, if it this is serendipity, it should all come together. It also just you know? feels like a waste of Molly Shannon. She could have done more. It does. I was also kind of a little bit waiting for her and Jeremy Piven to, to meet get together. And be like, oh, your your wife just left you. Like, well, I'm a horny woman. That was my immediate thought when he said that his wife left. His him. wife left, yeah. him. I thought like, oh, Molly Shannon's right here. Yeah, I really thought it was just going to be sort of like the Shakespeare secondary characters. Like everyone at the end, like salt and pepper shakers. Shakespeare just comes and is like, right. Well, ironically, like I think they would have fit well together. I do too. Yes. Because Molly Shannon is sort of a nice foil to, to Jeremy Piven's character because Jeremy Piven's revealed to be a little bit more of like a soft romantic on the inside. Yeah, that's also like, if we're talking about like weirdness in characters too, you yeah. had said when you first meet him, he feels like he a very like sort like, of Wall Street boy. Yeah, he looks like he's well, coming off of Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And, and I know that he he had not established this persona at the I, time, Yeah, so a lot of this is us looking at Jeremy Piven with the baggage of Entourage. It's impossible yeah. for me to separate Jeremy Piven from Entourage. Yeah, and I but think I do so think like, he's giving like a very sort of like almost very cheesy bro. Right, like a very like big basic best man speech yeah. like, and then he met like his fucking hot wife look at her right. over there but then later he's like believing in love right he's, he's like supportive. so sensitive yeah. and he like writes this he's honestly the, kind of beautiful fake obit for he's John Cusack about the Greeks and how the Greeks do death and it's yeah it's, very just, it's, it's like these weird like depths to this character Correct. who I would have never have predicted yeah. from the first scene with him I actually, so like if you're gonna talk about like characters who don't seem to have any sort of consistency to them I mean there you go yeah. Barring, barring that one weird, odd speech about who's in charge in the world to that yeah, kid, he's like, worried. ironically, it feels more prescient now. Like, it feels like he's talking about the GameStop investors. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, years before Right. Yeah. And so, like, it is one thing that I'm watching, like, in 2001, like, who, who is he referring to? No idea. Like, you don't even, like, fucker, you don't even know what was going to happen in the he's next 20 calling, years. He's calling is out. he talking about Facebook? No, Facebook no. couldn't even have been a thing then. He's literally talking about, like... It was a thing. If it was a thing, it was, like, barely a thing. Yeah, we weren't in college until... Emerson only got Facebook. Emerson got Facebook, like, right before we went. Yeah. I, I know, but, like, when I was a freshman in high school, I had friends in college that had... They are like, we got Facebook because you would need a college email to get it. I'd have I to look know. into that. I don't think that. I don't know when Facebook was a thing, but that 2001 feels early. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think they were referring to Facebook. I was in PCC in 2001. <laughs> What's that? It was oh, we'd been like eighth grade at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two thousand one, we would have been fourteen. It would have been going in into ninth, ninth or going into tenth. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand PBC two thousand was eighth grade. Two thousand one was ninth grade. So it was the summer of ninth grade. Okay. Um, but anyway. Uh, whether or not we had Facebook, I don't know what he's talking about. But I don't he's either. literally saying like pimply faced day traders. Yeah. I mean, to me, I was all I could think about was like our right our what Wall Street bets or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's all I could think of. I was like, how did you know? I, how did you know? <laughs> Who told you, Jeremy Piven? I, uh, I he was warning us. <laughs> I want to briefly use Jeremy Piven as sort of just a... This is going to be a very quick tangent, I promise. Mm -hmm. But there's something I appreciate about this movie that Jeremy Piven's character kind of exemplifies for me. But I guess in comparison to some other rom-coms we've watched, there was something that this movie didn't do that I very much appreciated. So I feel like in movies like... Maid of Honor, or even just Friends, a lot of the humor is kind of based in um, whatever acceptable cruelty they think people are going to laugh at. So like, or they're like presenting fat women and gay dudes as if that's inherently funny in and of itself. So Although, like, to be fair, don't worry, none of that gay shit in this movie. Right. Yeah. Well, so I mean, like we dip into that a little bit, right? Um, they make that bizarre trans joke at the beginning. Yep. But... Aside from that, it, there's not the gay jokes, the fat jokes, the women jokes. There's not 
a lot of there's also not this idea that like men and women have rules of engagement they have to follow so like in just friends it was the no lunch dates thing in made of honor he has all of these kind of like never second well, date with a woman massive mis- what's the word misogynist woman, yeah, so i guess what i'm what i'm finding very refreshing here is it's a movie with a male lead who's not an active misogynist and whose journey is not coming to just value women but just like i don't know i guess i find it refreshing that this movie contained humor that wasn't based and cruelty or terror. Yeah, I feel like you find yeah. it refreshing based on the, some of the movies we've watched recently. Yes. But I, I think you don't have to... It's not... not I'm saying that uh, misogyny isn't sort of rampant in all these old movies, but I don't think you have to look very hard to find... No, I, 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 I kind of get a little bit what Chris is saying, and I do agree that yeah. I think the relationship between Jeremy Piven and John Cusack is like a very gentle yes. relationship. It's a healthy male friendship. Yeah, because think about yeah which is not friend- a thing you often get in movies yeah. like this. Right. Like, I was expecting a Christmasina. Uh, he... A what? A Christmasina. Christmasina. Do you remember from Made of Honor? Oh, the scumbag uh, friend. do you know what I spelled it as in my head? What? The holiday Christmas, and then like, Cena, like a Thomasina. <laughs> <laughs> There's some woman named Christmasina. Hi, I'm Christmasina. I'm Christmasina. <laughs> Facebook launched in February 2004. Oh, shit. So, okay, then, yeah, I got my memories crossed. Definitely. Yep. Anyways, Facebook... Gotta love it. Fache is. Uh, yeah. So, anyways. Is there any other characters you really need to do? Eugene Merman does, does his thing. Eugene Levy? Eugene Levy? Eugene Merman's different. He, yes, comes, he, he does he does come in and Eugene he gives Levy's us thing. he gives us comedy chops well beyond what this movie deserves. He does. <laughs> it's... I, I, I don't know if I, yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if I want to say that I wish he was in this movie more, but I kind of do a little bit. I feel like it could very easily be one of those things where it just sort of like overpowers a movie, and you're kind of like, oh great, like why is this yeah. guy I here think, again? I think but like, just more depth if he's in it. More. I yeah. think we're just thrilled that it was that a, funny. that it was a solid gag that was funny and it repeated in a solid way. Like, yeah. it was called back and yeah. used in a good way, <laughs> and I feel like this was a movie that was very much lacking for punchy jokes that I could really point out yeah. and be like, that was and good. And I feel like there are jokey jokes in that first scene that I thought were, like, less funny than the, like, the crossing the line joke is, like, yeah. less funny. But what I think is funnier is just, like, the weird personal touches that he adds to the character. Like, yes. the fact that this is a guy who, like, picks up someone else's cell phone without a thought. And then yeah. he's, like, almost baffled that it's not for him. <laughs> almost, like, what, who would you, who's it for? And then, like, who am I And also that, like, he gets so into it that he starts fighting with Jeremy Piven yeah, over the carbon fun. copy paper. Yeah. The, which is just, it's yeah. just, like, like, well, like, how did you get invested in this? Which is kind of, like, <laughs> like, this is, like, dipping a little bit into, like, what I would change about the movie also. Which, like, I kind of like the idea that this guy gets, like, drawn into. To yeah. this whole sort of like like he, he's kind of like in love with the idea of what John Cusack is doing and like agrees to help them just because he like he just thinks it's so great that they're doing that yeah and so like I, I don't know if necessarily in this version of the movie that should be what Eugene Levy does but I do think it's very weird that he is in two scenes very prominently disappears and comes back at the end as sort of like a, this guy again sort of moment and you had said Lee that he should be in the beginning absolutely he should yeah he should yes. unquestionably 100% he should yeah. have been there in the beginning um, that makes so much more sense like instead of the rando buying glove it should have just been Eugene Levy who's like been, taking yeah. them away for some reason yeah yeah it, yeah, should have, yeah sorry these gloves are defective or something. right or like someone like putting them on hold for someone yeah. else or whatever um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else with that. Not with that specific character, but you mentioned, real quick, you mentioned the idea of him getting invested. And, like, I think that that could have, maybe this is all, we can bring it up again and fix this, but, like, there are elements of that elsewhere. Like, in the beginning when they first are doing the trick to see if they're meant to be together where they go in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, like... John Cusack gets in the elevator and an obnoxious kid presses all the buttons and he's obnoxious kid who should be should be dressed as the devil shortly before Christmas he's dressed as the devil clearly this has a very this kid has a very overindulgent parent yes Um, anyway sorry but yeah a bunch of people are now getting in in this elevator on all these floors and at one point you can see that all all the people are getting out and they're looking for her yeah they're like oh she's not here get her back in yeah 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 (laughs) which I thought was a cute thing no it is and and again it's like one of the like stops and it doesn't come back in any meaningful way and so it's just like that's that's a cute little moment where yeah. like it makes these characters somewhat more likable because other characters find them like. Would it have been funnier if like John Cusack kept picking up, like he picked up that French guy and that French guy's now invested? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I feel like it's almost like a Katamari thing where as you roll through the movie, <laughs> you keep like picking up oh, other characters. We're like, yeah, sure, we'll help you. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that's a, that's added to the number of, of fixes that I have for this movie. <laughs> Um, does anyone have anything else to say about characters before we talk about it? No, Are there any more? Really. I mean, that's the problem. There's not really a lot well, of Well, you can't really say a lot about Haley at all. At you all? You can say that Lars is silly. 
You can say that yeah. he is like a thoughtful person, I guess. Yeah. I like John Corbett in this movie. He's yeah. some good he's stuff. He's fun. But he's... There's not but a lot like, of... It's, it's a goofy character. You're not supposed to be invested in him. Yeah. It also has that... There, the scene with him and his agent or manager, whoever the fuck it is, watching the music video, there's one moment where it feels like they did not trust the audience to get the joke at all because the agent, like, points out one of the actors and he says something like, oh, God, he's so good. He's like Alec Guinness. And he says, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Star Wars. So it's like, yeah, I fucking get it. I know who Alec Guinness is. Wow. You want him to be, like, kind hearts and cornets. Like, you want him to just, like, yeah. list through Alec Guinness as a type of... Like, look in the camera and be like, you know, you saw him in something, remember? Oliver Twist, he was Fagin in that, remember? That's who he reminds me of. <laughs> Which is like, okay, I fucking get it, guy. You don't have to, like, hit this nail with the hammer so heavily. I guess, like, it really should... It really does make sense that this director has just made crap, because I just... <laughs> Everything about this was poorly directed, poorly thought out. Oh, yeah. Real quick. Not real quick. Direction? Yeah. Real quick, let's talk about some of the weird visual things in this movie. Oh, the time-lapse photography? Yeah, there is some aggressive time-lapse photography happening from the get-go, basically, in this movie. Where it's, you know, it's the sort of, like, sped-up, Koyana Scotsy bullshit kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, you know... <laughs> the best bit. Can I just have a real yeah, 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 best yeah. bit? Yeah. They're on the plane. There's a shot of a plane going by, and there's, like, a... a half transparent clock that floats by the other yes! one. The clock is like going around in circles. It's like a Dali film. It is. It's not just like, why is this here? I get it. Time is passing. You don't need to literally show the hands on the clock continuing to turn forward. It is, I can trust that they'll do, do you know that. What it feels like it feels like a TV show episode when a TV show episode is doing, like when X-Files does like the World War II episode. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. when they're doing like, this is what TV was like back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Where it's like then. stylized. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, and I don't think it's supposed to be like cute or fun no. when he's doing it. Just like, it's a choice. Yeah. It's a bad it's choice. A weird, right? And it's like, there are so many shots, like, like it, it, do, it is used to show passage of time, but there's also a scene where John Cusack is like, in a car or in a taxi cab and you keep interspersing between shots of him in the back and like, shots of traffic super sped up. Which is just like, why? Why are we doing this? What, like, what are you doing aside from just like doing something quote unquote fancy I was to like, make it look visually interesting? Right. And I maybe they just thought the movie was boring otherwise, or maybe they were like, ooh, this will really make the world seem more magical. Yeah. I guess that's the thought. It just doesn't seem like, I, I just don't get, like one of the basic, I feel like I've probably said this before, but like one of the most basic things you can do, if you know nothing about film criticism, like the one thing you can do is when you watch a movie and something strikes you as odd, you just ask yourself, why do you think the director did X? Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at this, like, why do I think the director chose to no speed clouds. up the clouds coming across the sky? I really don't know. I guess it's supposed to be just sort of like this sort of spiritual, like time marches onward and these two people like still haven't found each other yet. I guess that's kind of the motif he's going for, mm. but it's just distracting and cheesy. It feels so much like the music video that we watch in the movie. Like, yeah. it feels so hacky. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm ready to go with my fix, if we're ready to go. Alright, go. Go with Fine. your fix. Yo, Fine. Jesus, stop fucking Chris, harassing sit us. down. No! Um, <laughs> stop tearing your shirt. So, I we kind of talked about this a little bit on our first watch through, and we've like joked about it, I feel like, a little bit, but I think the best version of this movie would almost be, would be in my mind very similar to Dash and Lily in terms of, I feel like Dash and Lily succeeded where this movie was reaching for in terms of trying to tell this, we're running all over New York, it's a kooky, whimsical place, lots of, you know, misconnections, lots of weird magical shit happening. Uh, I just think the form that it takes in the movie is so dull and uninteresting <laughs> and just not pushed far enough. And I just feel like um, we have these two kind of husks of characters going around. Like, uh, so in my mind, I would need, I want him to still be trying to make the document, the documentary thing happen. I think I'm just, I think he's kind of in an artistic rut, just filming random shit around New York. Speeding up in post. Right. I was legitimately thinking about that. <laughs> I was like, what if what if we kept those effects in, but we just tied that to be like his terrible filmmaker instincts of like, ooh, this will make it cool. And um, my thought is he, uh, in this process, uh, meets Kate Beckinsale and Molly Shannon in that way. Uh, maybe that she's working at Molly Shannon's store, but is realizing she's not really believing in this shit anymore and maybe wants to go off and do something with her life. Gee, I've always wanted to be a therapist. Um, so I think it's, I still want to have this be a misconnection, but I want the adventures they have in trying to find each other be 
less about the plot of trying to find each other and more about just showing the audience who they are. I think that's the major mistake this movie makes is that they think that the plot itself is the object, and I think that's dumb. I think if we're going to watch these two people have their separate stories, they need to be really interesting. So I think it's going. we're going to see... Her, um, you know, kind of like unlearn some of these like woo-woo things as she's trying to become a therapist. And I think he is maybe weighing whether or not he wants to give up being a documentary filmmaker and go, to, go and take this job at ESPN. Glamorous world of ESPN producer. Right, of course. He's just like, you have it made when you're produced for them. Don't you know that? You'll spend so many of your days on boats shooting <laughs> golf balls into the Hudson. So um, what I wanted to... And, they are, neither of them are engaged. I think it's okay if they're maybe seeing people when they first meet, but I think post-time skip they're going to be single and that the, one of the serendipitous elements here is they are both reaching out to reconnect when they are both single at the same time. Um, but I think it, I also want it to be, he is maybe not taking one of his documentary, of his documentary ideas seriously. Like he maybe doesn't have a lot of confidence as an artist. And I think uh, her trying to massage him into that or, like, helping him with that would be a really cool idea. I was just thinking that there's nothing that really binds these characters together. So the idea that they would try to, like, create something together like that would be a really cool thing. And that even if, like, it would still have the, like, sped-up time-lapse photography, I think there's a way that that could still be made to be funny of, like, oh, that's just, like, a sign of him, like, growing as a filmmaker. He's getting rid of that shit. Anyway, um... I kind of realized while I was fixing it that I just took this in a completely different direction, but I guess I feel like you can still have this theme of serendipity without making the story just that, which I feel is like what we have from the movie. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I didn't really take the theme, but I didn't really think about serendipity. I didn't also... You're such a junk sack. Yeah, and I, I kind of didn't... I feel like I could throw that concept out if I wanted to without thinking about it, but... Also, I don't think I stray too far from the movie, and also, also, I don't really have, like, one fix. I have, like, so many <laughs> things that you should have done to this movie um, that could have made the one we get as it was better. Uh, and then I have a couple different takes on how you would do it um, very differently. So, we talked about this earlier. Uh, there's this... One of the things I think should have been done in this movie is in the beginning when he gets in that elevator and like they're testing if fate is going is, is telling him they should be together and they should, well if we go to the same floor we're meant to be together uh, there should have been something that happened something that she left behind that he finds that lets him know that like actually they did pick the same floor mm-hmm. and if it weren't for that dumbass kid if it weren't for that dumbass kid they actually would have been meant to be, meant to be together and then because that way if you're saying that there's a main character in the movie and you're, you're picking John Cusack, uh, it's he has to walk away from that knowing that, like, well, actually, uh, we, all, we were probably supposed to be mm-hmm. together, and uh, I'll, now I'll never find her. Right. And then he has to sort of deal with that for the next, like, several years of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have been a more compelling movie. Take away the, the, the love interest thing. Find mm-hmm. some other reason why they couldn't be together on that particular night. Uh, and maybe he had to fly to San Francisco yeah, for again, a long if time. Like, if there's like another time crunch thing that could happen, it could again, again, not be that one of them is getting married, or both, or both of them are getting married. <laughs> yeah, everyone's getting married. Um, yeah, that's one thing you could have done, and I think you could have kept a lot of the same shit that happens and made it a better movie. There are a few different, I, th- I think, things you could do in this movie. I had this idea that the movie is, in fact, without changing a lot of the actual bones of it. That it is, in fact, about uh, them having commitment phobia, and there's this idea that they are both hunting down, and in the end, when, like, there's the wedding that's happening, and, like, Molly Shannon finds out that, like, well, she doesn't really find out, but she sees John, and they're like, oh, well, you should come to the wedding tomorrow and bring your friend. I like the idea that the friend does go to the wedding, that the wedding does happen, that he does go to San Francisco, he does, like, have this sort of come to Jesus moment about, like, well, I'm not doing this because I want this girl. I'm doing this because I'm afraid of getting married. Mm-hmm. But he comes to the, resu- the realization that, like, I have to throw that away and, and marry this person. Like, I am just running away from this. And I like the idea of this sort of serendipitous cha- chase of them both chasing each other down. Not really being about the other person, but being about their... And then also... But then both of them also realizing, like, 
oh, I actually have a really good partner to be with and I should speak with that person. Right. And then have it ending with him getting married and her being in the audience and they like look at each other and acknowledge like this had happened. Yeah. Um, that would have been a good movie. Yeah. Um, if you conveyed successfully, if you made Haley and Laura's characters and you conveyed successfully that like actually... <laughs> they have character the traits. People, yeah, they have character yeah. traits. And the people that are with are actually good for them and that... You know, maybe you would have hit it off with this person, but maybe you didn't. You only know them for like ten minutes. I love, I love that one of the steps of your fix is make them characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to make the characters, and you have to, you have to actually sell that. You know, Haley and Lars are good partners. Yeah. Also, you probably just want to dish Lars and come up with a new one because he's he's, he's kind such of a goof. Yeah. Um, then there's sort of like uh, I don't have a lot of details for this, but there's sort of like the the least special take on this movie or this concept, which is. Um, similar to my I'm sorry, idea. did you say least special or Lee, least Lee's special? Okay. Least special. special. The, the Deli Andy special. Okay, got you. What I would do with this. Um, which is sort of similar to the idea of fixing up what it is. But uh, so, yeah, instead of uh, marriage, it's probably like a job. It's probably some sort of like, again, a gig type job where you are a researcher and you go off to the Antarctic or whatever, or like you have to go on an archaeological dig for several months or years and like it, you can't really pass it up because it's like so rare that you get these opportunities. Um, where they meet that night and he's like, well, I gotta fuck off. And um, it's great that we really click, but I really can't like throw away this opportunity. I'm off tomorrow. And all of those things happen and you know, woohoo, Sarah is like, well, like, we'll leave all these fates and clue things or whatever. Uh, I like the idea that maybe that is the case where he's, you know, one of them has this job that requires them to be in many different places at very different points, like, you know, a year here, a year there. Mm -hmm. You know, many years after this encounter, he happens to end up someplace, probably a different place from where they met, and he stumbles on some information or some clue that leads him to believe that, like, the woman that he met years ago in the other place is here, but he doesn't really know anything about this woman um, or how to track her down, and then the movie is about that. And then I like the idea of having it mostly be about him, but then he sees, like, evidence or whatever that she's there, and then you sort of flash back at various points or mm. time-skippy shit mm -hmm. to show that, like, she's been actively looking for him all these years and has just, just missed him in all these places. Uh, and there's no details, really. That's all no, I, I like that. Like, the idea that, like... I think Dashon really does that at, at a couple points yeah. where it plays with time and it shows, like, what they were each doing. It does, yeah. yeah. On the other end. And I, I think that would be a good way of, of having chemistry without them being together. Yeah. And also uh, showing both of them as, as people and who they are more. Absolutely. Anyway, that's all I got. What you got for us, Brendan? All right, so I didn't do, like, a whole thing. I just sort of came up with a couple of small ideas yeah. of how I think this movie could have been better. Uh, first of all, I think this should... One take place entirely at Christmas. It starts in Christmas and it ends in Christmas. But I think like Christmas is a good season for this movie because like Christmas is like it's that magical time of year. It's where we all believe in like magical things happening. So like why not have your movie about you know fate and coincidences? As you know, on Christmas you must always tell the truth. No, that is true. You have to always tell the truth. And so that's why when he says at the end like Do you love me? She must answer yes, or she'll be stoned to death. Anyway, so you've got that. Um, I also think that there's going to be no time jump happening. What I think is it would probably start like after Thanksgiving and end on Christmas. So this is taking place over like the span of a month or so and not a few years mm -hmm. or however many we feel like. Um, so what I, I think it would be is that he... Uh, is about to move to San Francisco for some sort of job opportunity in the new year. And she has just gotten out of a relationship with someone else. So, like, they're both kind of, like, they meet, they have their little meet cute over the gloves or whatever the fuck it is. And they sort of, like, both hit it off, but they're both also kind of like, well, it's not responsible for us to do this sort of thing. Right. right now. Like, you're just getting over this. You're going to be gone in a month. Like, I do think you're kind of interesting, but, like, is this really what we want right. to be doing? I think they're both going to use different books and the books are going to say something about like who they are as a character so you kind of get a feel for them and I guess that you're supposed to get some sort of metaphorical thing from Love in the Time of Cholera <laughs> which I would not have known had you not told me that. Wikipedia. Yes. Yeah, that was I would not have realized that that was some sort of reference. Maybe one of the characters should have spelled that out for me. Anywho. It's not even a good reference though. The connection is weak. It's tenuous. Yeah, it is. Anyway, go on. Anyways. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one of the, the things that I liked in 
Lee, you had you had mentioned this in yours, the scene where all the people are coming out of the elevator to help him look. Like, that was something that I kind of glommed onto very early in this movie. Mm-hmm. The idea that as these characters are going about, like, trying, like, they both sort of realize, like, well, maybe maybe I should, fuck, like, fucking take a chance for you. Like, the next morning, you know, like, maybe John Cusack's character, like, does go to a bookstore and tries to find it and can't, but is kind of like, but maybe I should keep trying to. Like, maybe there's enough there that, like, I'm being pointed in this direction. As they're both kind of trying to track down who this, like, who the other person is, they're meeting other various characters, and the characters are sort of helping them figure things out. And, you know, sometimes maybe it's going to be, like, a thing where the character comes along with them for the voyage, and sometimes it's sort of like, maybe at the end, like, one of those characters happens to meet another character, and, like, who they've never interacted before, and they're kind of like, oh, I, I was talking to this woman the other day who's trying to find this guy, like, isn't that ridiculous? And the guy's like, oh my god, I know who that is. Like, this is that guy I was trying to talk to. So it's kind of like this idea that, like, how, you know, these two people not being assholes to various randos that they yeah, meet in New York like City. Maybe, like, and, like, their hope was infectious. Right, like, like, yeah, like, it pays off in some meaningful yeah, yeah, way, yeah. which I think is kind of a nice thing to do. And again, at Christmas, you have to tell the truth and you have to be nice to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it reminds me, like, it just always reminds me of, like, the one scene I do like and love, actually, where they're all in little Lisbon. And everyone's falling. Everyone, like, everyone's yeah, falling Colin yeah, Firth like, oh, through the streets. It's very cute. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the moments that I do like in the movie. So, like, I'm kind of thinking, like, that spread out over this course of yeah. the entire movie. I, I I think that might be about all I had. Oh, and I still do think it, it was a real missed opportunity that Sarah's full name is not Sarah and Dippity. <laughs> oh, right. Should what? have definitely happened. Would we recommend this film? <sighs> I don't the know. The John Cusack had. Yeah. I, I would say it's a harmless movie to watch. It is. And it's short. It's a gentle slip of it's a thing. Short. You won't get you won't get much like um, emotional vibes out of it. Mm-hmm. You might get a few laughs. It's an easy watch. It's it's pleasant. Yeah. It's very it's it's a very like frivolous little slip of a movie. Yep. I don't know if I can fully recommend it based off of that. You know, like yeah. I feel like there are other unsubstantial movies that I, I might think, watch over this. I think we're sort of damning it with our faint praise. Right. Like it's not awful. Yeah, right, that's that's the terrible. best I can say. It's of it. fine. If you like John Cusack, sure, watch it. If you yeah. don't, there's no reason for you to if ever see this movie. If you're like the, on a quest to finish this filmography, don't skip this. Exactly. One. You know, yes. like it's, it's <laughs> there, are, there are much worse things ahead of you. Don't pick this one as your skip. Yeah, save that skip button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For later. Right. You're gonna need it. <laughs> okay. All right, guys, hit us up in uh, two weeks. We'll be back at you with another mini episode about God knows what. This yeah, we don't know. We'll figure it out. You yeah. can uh, go to facebook.com/slash/whywatchpodcast. Is our Facebook page give us a like there you can rate and subscribe to us on apple podcasts on stitcher i think mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. that's really about it yeah should we just buy this out mm-hmm. yes we should sarah bye that you know who you love you can't deny it or go back or give up or pretend Don't buy it when it's clear this time you found the one you never let him go. Cause you know, and you know, that you know.